And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell He scores the ball and he rebounds well Don't fight the future, here comes Luca This is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only podcast that doesn't want to talk about the trade deadline at all, actually. Let's just hurry up and get to that point in the season. I'm Tim Cato. I'm ready to talk about the Mavericks. We've got Mike Pellucci, uh, D Magazine's own, uh, a a famous co-host of this pod. Are you famed yet, Mike? I'll take fame. Yeah. Locally, locally famed, at least. Uh Famed, famed in this existence and the context. This to be, yeah. So we brought an old friend of mine, Kirk Henderson, who has been at Mavs Moneyball. Um, somehow, I think you were there even before I got there, and I was there a long time. What's up, Kirk? Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. We Absolutely. figured we figured a lot of podcasts have their special trade deadline guests. Their special, we're going to talk trades. This is what might happen. This is what could happen. Nah. Now we're not about that here, okay? We're going the other direction. We are bringing on a man who does not want to talk about the trade deadline at all. We would prefer that none of us talk about the trade deadline one iota. So if you're into that sort of thing, you come to the wrong podcast. And by come to the wrong podcast, I mean you could have just listened to the last two episodes that Tim and I did. If you don't want to talk about the trade deadline at all, Kirk, tell them why we're not talking about the trade deadline. More or less, I'm bored with the topic. I feel the Mavericks have had the same... Seven of the same rotation pieces. If you assume an NBA rotation of seven to nine guys, they've had seven of the same players literally three years to the day. Okay. And I am, you know, why talk about something if it's not likely to happen? Mark Stein reported yesterday that the, the, you know, the best bet is for the team to stay the same. And so if that's the best bet, why would we talk about unlikely scenarios? All it really does is serve to uh, rile up fans and slowly drive me insane because I've actually found the I found the basketball to be shockingly entertaining and different than what I was expecting this year. And so I would rather talk about the basketball than the transactions or really non-transactions. I'll, I'll give my take on this because once you said that, I immediately felt like, yeah, yeah, I, I 100% where you get, get where you're coming from on this. And it's I, I think trade deadlines, like there, there's obviously so much optimism. The reason fans talk about trades and they talk about transactions because there is an inherent intrigue to the, um, you know, the hypothetical nature of it, of, of what could be. It's the same reason that people tune in more around the draft and free agency. There is, there is hope and optimism and, and there is, you know, there's nothing that can uh, prevent a hypothetical team from going 82 and 0 and winning five straight 
uh, NBA titles. I, I just find it really hard to talk about personally because of the machinations and because of how much movement and how many people are involved in the process of trying to make trades. I am one journalist. Uh, even if I was on a staff of five journalists, we are not devoted, you know, 50, 60 hour weeks uh, like the Mavs front office has 40 people or, or, you know, at least three dozen who are are really locked in and focused on all the various aspects and in iterations of this. And, you know, I, I think, you know, as we've, like Mike said, the, the last two weeks, we've talked around the trade deadline. We've talked around the roster construction. We haven't maybe talked directly about what if they did this trade? What if they did that trade? But we've seen with Dorian Finney-Smith and with Jalen Brunson, these are the guys who are getting receiving all of the interest from around the league. But the problem is the, the the types of teams that are interested in those two players are contenders who want to trade first-round picks or younger prospects, or they want to make moves that are win-now for them, whereas the Mavericks really want to make a, a kind of a move that blends. Like, like we are... What the Mavericks are trying to do and what teams who are expressing this interest in these players are trying to do are just operating on different uh, like paradigms and, and, and on, on parallel or, you know, lines that, that, that aren't going to cross each other. And it just makes it very tricky and tough. And, you know, I, I, Brunson's the best case exam- example. If you trade him, what are you going to do the rest of the season? You have to be getting back another shot creating ball handler for that to even be plausible. And... If we want to talk names, name one player who is potentially available uh, and would not only fill but surpass Jalen Brunson's production on the Mavericks this season. Like, name one. I'm just curious. Like, Bradley Beal is, like, the only person that that genuinely comes to mind for that. And and high-key, Bradley Beal might be, like, a literal, like, a... When I, I'm going to use a word that's very hot takey. He might be just a loser. Like he is a guy on a team that loses. <laughs> that is his lot in life. And he seems to right. be, be about that. There, I'm sure we like, can come up with a better term for that. But like, no, that's a real thing. There is a real thing that yeah, not players a who do player. a lot of stats things don't translate to winning things. Like stats things and winning things are not synonymous and not equivalent. I mean, just here's what some of this comes down to, right? Let's, let's t- strip the Mavs. From this equation for a minute. The National Basketball Association has no real farm system. I know there are G League teams, but, you know, compared to baseball and hockey, which have bona fide farm systems, this is far from that. There is no real farm system. The rosters, meanwhile, are by far the smallest of the four major American sports teams and or for sports leagues. And unlike the fifth men's sports league, which is Major League Soccer, where you can pull from players all around the globe... Uh, to overcompensate for some of this, you obviously can't do that with the NBA. So what that means is that inherently there are always fewer realistic possibilities. And in the last 15 some odd years, it's become even more constricted because so many teams think alike, right? Basketball has become something of a soft game. Yeah, there are tweaks and yeah, there are trends and some trends change, but there's a lot of group think and there are not a lot of teams that actually play different. And the reason a lot of them don't play the different is because generally, I don't know, each team's decided by three or four players more than most. And there are only so many player anomalies, right? Like Denver plays differently because there's only one Nikola Jokic. You can't replicate him. Phoenix plays differently because there's no other team with a point with a backcourt of two mid-range shooters that lethally. Can't replicate that. So what you get is this time of year, there's so much more sizzle than steak. Not because, you know, in baseball you get 
teams that are basically half of them aren't trying, and that's a labor issue, right? You could fix baseball and their collective bargaining agreement, theoretically, in a way to where more teams are incentivized to make trades, and boom, you have 30 teams, the 25-man rosters, and massive farm systems. You could trade all day long. There's a reason every single Major League Baseball team made a trade last year's trade deadline. The NBA, with 15-man rosters and rigid salary caps and only a handful of guys who really make the difference and move the needle day in, day out, the fact is there is no bigger gap between the amount of talk about the NBA trade deadline versus what realistically can even happen. Not even what does happen, what realistically can happen. And so I don't blame you for being tired because like when Tim is saying, think of a different name that could work. I'm like, man, I don't know. There are like, what, two, three that even could happen. And guess what? No matter your feelings about Bradley Beal, spoiler alert, if DC decided to trade tomorrow, they're going to get better offers than what Dallas could do anyways. So what are we doing here? Yeah. What are we really doing here? <laughs> that's that's an area, and I'm constantly critical of the Mavericks because they've made numerous mistakes. I, I really feel Mark Cuban hired Nico uh, Harrison and then proceeded to hand him a, a, a grenade in the form of this Jalen Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith situation. But if we Cuban, look at Cuban, passed the ball to him on the perimeter with three on the shot clock. Right, and and the the problem realistically, if we go back in time, is. When you trade a pick for for in order to go get Luka Doncic because you fall in the draft, which is a you know that's outside of anybody's control, but it happened. Then you trade two more picks to go get Kristaps Porzingis. Realistically, with the way teams value picks, the Mavericks are sort of hamstrung. And I also believe, and I don't hear this discussed enough, that the the Mavericks. Um, don't want to trade any future picks because they have to hold on to this stuff for the potential and, in my opinion, inevitable, oh, God, Luca, please don't get mad and leave us trade in 2025. It's really hard to trade when you're not quite a contender and looking for small moves around the edges and definitely not a fringe playoff team or a you know team that is looking to acquire draft capital because – you know, you're at the you're at the extremes. It gets a lot easier. You're in the middle, and you've got a youngish. I don't even like calling them a youngish core, but you know, like the two main players, the two best players, the the three best players on this team are all mid. You know, early twenties, and Chris Dubs is what twenty six. I was actually gearing up and ready to at least toss around some very hypothetical Porzingis trade, and then now he has a bone bruise and he's going to miss. Probably five more games. I don't know that. I, I you know, the, the Mavericks did not assign a timeline, but based off his injury history and how long these things typically take, it's probably going to be another five games that he that he misses. And I don't see any conceivable conceivable way that someone is going to commit to the money that he still has on his contract when this is a overriding factor for Porzingis at any point, at at every point that you have to acknowledge that his health is you know the 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 main thing driving his value down i i said this i said this last summer you know like i thought Porzingis would be better yeah he had no value in the summer now it's gone up a bit and every time it goes up a little bit because he is playing well he's playing legitimately well other than shooting three this season then you get another one of these and it just kind of drops down so like i'm sure you remember me saying this mike i'm like i think he's going to play better i think he's going to be better defensively i I don't think it i don't think it changes value the the thing that affects his value is not the the right. production like yeah he had to get that back to a to a sustainable point the fact that he's a you know a, a really plus defender at this point is is meaningful but it's it's meaningful to the Mavericks it's not really meaningful to the to the 
value or the the synopsis of what he represents to other NBA teams who might be interested in trying to go and sign him. And so even though that type of conversation, even those hypotheticals feel like they're, um, you know, they're just playing, you know, parlor games that are entertaining, I guess. Um, I, I, I'm truly not out here trying to like slam specific people by any means. There's no one that comes to mind. I mean, you know, I know that there are people who are more invested in trade hypotheticals and I know there's an audience for that. And I would just say that, you know, I, I struggle doing that a lot more than, you know, the the audience there is for it. And it's worth noting this too. And Zach Lowe and Tim McMahon had a good conversation about this yesterday, Uh, but we should, we should bring this up here too. There is. There are people who might say, well, there is an option of what you want to do if you want to make a trade. You could, because Finney Smith and Brunson's salaries are small enough, you could trade them for picks and keep your room and get some ones and see what you can do with it. This was basically Zach Lowe's suggestion, right? To which Tim McMahon correctly pointed out, like, no, 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 no. That is not anything you want to do for two reasons. One, this team with cap room and first-round picks, what are you going to do with it? Really, what have we seen them ever do with these things? It's not going to end well. It Realistically, you would just probably turn around and probably make a similar version of what the Porzingis trade was, which is a guy who could be a top star. You are betting on that because he's not. they don't have the young blue-chip prospects to package with those picks to get a legit A1 guy, and then you hope he becomes that way. And just because Porzingis has been more very good versus great doesn't mean that trade was a bad idea. I think the trade was still good, but... You know, you're you're not gonna even if you actually trade those two players and you get picks, you probably with what the young talent is, you will not actually land something any better than what those two guys are. And the second aspect of this, and this cannot be said enough, no matter how many trades people make, you have to consider the environment in that locker room, and specifically you have to consider the only dude who really matters, which is Luka Doncic. And I promise you that you can sit here until the cows come home and make a 10-step plan for, well, you trade those two guys for two ones now, and you flip the ones for this, and you do this for that, and then this is how you get Luka's second star. Yeah, good luck telling that to Luka Doncic, who is hyper-competitive and wants to win right now, or at the very least, make progress right now. If this team wins a playoff series, yeah, Luka, being who Luka is, ain't going to be pleased because it's not the title, but he will view that as progress. He will be about as happy as he probably can be. If you trade the guy who's maybe his best friend on the team slash the only guy who could take creative pressure off of him and their best defensive wing for future assets, it will not go over well. You just can't do it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. They can get cap space in 2023. The offseason of 2023, I feel confident in this moment right now that between the four contracts they will have after Luka, they will be able to trade some combination of those players if they need cap space to go sign X free agent, whoever it is. Kirk, and it's it's the it's the same problem they had for the past decade is that they didn't realize that getting off of salary contracts, like Kirk, how many times do we have the circular combo? It's not as hard as it seems to get off of salaried contracts as long as it's coming down or the player is valuable. And I think in the following offseason, next summer, um, the summer of 2023, that Brunson and Finney Smith will have value that you could trade them and that Porzingis will have, hopefully still have decent value as a player and his contract will be one year away from expiring. And that's when somebody would be much more willing to take a chance on him. Uh, I think Hardaway will have value. He has a declining salary scale. It's it's the circular combo that you're way better off just signing good players to decent-sized contracts and figuring it out at a later point if there really is a free agent who wants to come and sign with you. And, and this is what they didn't do for the past decade. Well, and if they get if they they make they make the playoffs this year and lose in the first round with the same team, at that point you have to be willing to look your star in the face and say, "Look, I know you're friends with these guys." This right. hasn't worked. It has not worked for three years in a row. Sorry. That's the that's just the way it is. I mean, the Mavericks are dangerously close to being in the bird bird rights trap with a number of these guys. Because I heard what, what Tim and Zach said, but Dorian Finney Smith, in my opinion, might age like a banana left on the countertop. They have rode him hard for years and they are extremely lucky that he has stayed healthy and has increased his productivity. So there's that, you know, Brunson is going to continue to be a value, but I have real questions about Brunson's impact while playing a team with length. I mean, he, he got shut out by Orlando the other night. Like that's a little concerning to me, but these are kind of problems for down the road, but it's, it's sort of the, the frustration that I get when, when talking about this team and, uh, at least when it comes to trade deadline stuff, because in my opinion, the way the front office and Cuban himself, who is constantly selling, has sold this team is that they're always one. You know, it, things will just work out next time. And we have 10 years of evidence that they they really can only fail up by accident. Um, I just can't believe they they got the, the hardest thing to find in sports in a superstar on a rookie deal. And they've squandered a significant chunk of that by a combination of 
bad luck and bad and bad um, decisions. Um, it, it sort of is. It's it, it is what it is. But that's why I'm not really you know why we aren't really talking about who because there's not really a who conversation to be had in terms of improvement. I mean, I hadn't really thought about Tim McMahon's point yesterday where it's like if you take a step back, then you're planting a seed of doubt in Luka Doncic's mind mm-hmm. and. I, you know, I, I do also think our fan base, the Mavericks fan base, needs to reconcile with the fact that Luca has a significant say in these things, too. And, um, and again, as he should. Yeah. Uh, the reason I, I, I honestly I don't reference the story a lot, but, you know, the big Bob Fulgara story that was about the front office dysfunction. There's people who asked why it was framed around Luca, and I understood where they were coming from. But the only reason I had people coming to me with that info is that there was already concerns that Seeds of Doubt were going to be planted on a very early point with their superstar who, like, these things can happen years before. And, and you know, I think a, a huge part of that story and the reason it came to fruition is that people were concerned and that people were already worried that the, the, the Mavericks were steering in the wrong directions with the Luka Doncic, uh, you know, with the Luka Doncic era. And it, it mattered to them and it mattered that they didn't steer it wrong and that they're trying to correct course before it got too late. Let's let's uh, Kirk, you're the fresh voice on this on this pod. Uh, and, and I do want to get your opinion on this um, as we pivot a little bit away from, you know, just being misers and, and grumpy old people. I will say. I, I, I totally agree that it is frustrating to see the Mavericks yet again, probably just going to run it out and see, all right, we, well, let's not move. Let's not let me change this to the roster. Again, I think that's more of a product of there not really being moves to make. I will say that for me personally, and I didn't expect to get here, I have actually seen them play well enough at this point for long enough that that is also a reasonable defense of not making huge moves at this deadline that what they're doing is not just good we've seen them play well in the past two seasons for stretches but because they're doing it in such a different way I I don't think the offense is going to get back to that top 10 levels that it had under Carlisle I think it's something inherent to the coaching I know I've talked about that but because they're doing what they're doing defensively in, in such a unique way. And I, I don't really worry about a couple duds. This is the most mentally draining part of the season. And, and the way they play defense is, you know, really requires, uh, you know, mental stamina and to, to make those rotations and to make those, you know, thinking rotations in the right ways that, that, that they're trying to do. But I've at least seen enough that it, it doesn't feel as pessimistic and it doesn't feel as, um, you know, just throw your hands up in the air in frustration that they want to give this team a chance uh, and see what they can do under a coaching staff playing this way. As as you, you know, obviously your podcast, we should have shouted it out at the beginning, but, uh, but you know, the Mavs Moneyball podcast, Mavs Moneyball After Dark, uh, all the, all the iterations on, on, on that feed. Uh, I mean, you guys are taking in these games on a, on a game by game basis and recording after one of them. And you're talking to fans on, on, you know, uh, in, in the, is it green room or are you guys on something else? It is green room. Yep. Um, I, I listen, I, I pop in and I listen to a, a decent number of those episodes and it just feels like it's, it's, ha- it's easier and it's, it's a happier time talking about this team. Now, how much have you come around on the idea that, that, all right, I like, we all understand why the team wants to give this roster as same as it is a chance in kind of the new setting and new approach that it has. I get it. 
I'm actually quite okay with them doing nothing from a micro perspective this season. I just think macro, it's pretty insane that they've kept the same seven people. But this season has been kind of a, a, it's like there's been three specific chunks. If I were to divide it up, it was the, the ugly, probably first 20 games. Then they started to get their groove back with Luca and Porzingis both out during kind of COVID fest and then starting right after a really painful uh, right before New Year's uh, game against the Kings. Then they just started playing very good basketball on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Tim McMahon snuck this into the ESPN power rankings yesterday. Luka Doncic is down 15 pounds from where he started the season. So the the alpha and omega to the Dallas season is starts with their best player looking like their best player and being more efficient. Um, Iztok Franco uh, over at D Magazine wrote a piece uh, last week where he talked about Luka's increase in free throw attempts. In October, well, he talked about a lot of things, but one of the biggest things was free throw attempts. In October, he shot 4.7. In January, he's up to 8.2. That like that's a that's a big swing, and I think one I think the game is being called a little bit different, but two I also think Luke is frankly just like playing better, and that is is giving this team an aspect of life that that will help them get places if other aspects of their offense start to come into form. Like the the three point shooting for the team is still just so wildly strange to me, uh, <laughs> with certain guys not being able to hit the broadside of a barn and. This is I have no basis in this, but I can't help but think that maybe the Mavericks this year could be last year's Clippers who all of a sudden shot like 50 percent from three for a month. Um, just because like, I know it's like, what's that called? Like the gambler's fallacy where it's like you just expect things to kind of go back to the mean at some point, which right. that that it seems a little nuts. But I feel like I, I feel remarkably bullish about their chances because the teams around them are so, eh. you know, Utah just suffered a really painful loss in Joe Inglis. I don't trust the nuggets outside of Jokic. And uh, I think the Mavericks could beat the, the Grizzlies with the stick and nobody wants to talk about that. I talked about that last episode and Dave looked at me like I'm crazy, but I think that in the big picture, you would take Memphis's roster for the next four years, how it is right now. But this year, with how Dallas is playing defense and a more veteran team and the best player, I would for sure take them this year. Now, that you know that still is before Golden State and Phoenix, so I think would beat this team comfortably. But look, if you are this team, your path, your your argument, the devil's advocate argument for we shouldn't mess with this thing is essentially, and this is for the record, not a bad argument. I think there's there's reason to believe this. If you look in the mirror and you look at where this team was at the start of the year to where they are now, with a new coaching staff and how much better they're playing, especially defensively, you are also looking in the mirror and saying, okay, our defense is here. Now look at our offense. Luka Doncic is just getting back to where he is. He's in shape. We have barely seen Luka healthy on the floor at full Luka capacity. We have not even seen much Kristaps Porzingis at the five playing small ball lineups yet, which we all know is probably this team's peak offensive potential. Ostensibly, they have saved a lot of that because they don't want to run too much on his legs before the playoffs. But come postseason, they will do more of that. In addition to that, you can still tell yourself the story, and I know it probably never will reach what anybody thought it would be three years ago, but whatever. New coaching staff, we're telling we're telling ourselves things. They're probably thinking, we can be the ones to unlock the two-man game with Luka and Porzingis. Why not? We've barely had them on the floor together. We've barely played Porzingis at the five. We've barely seen Luka in shape. The point is, even though... I agree that this probably isn't a top 10 offense the rest of this year. You can see if you are this coaching staff ways in which 
there are real growth potential here. And if you've seen as a coaching staff that you can do this on the defensive side of the ball in the half a season, then hell yeah, tell yourself, well, there's avenues for, these, for internal growth here when we have maybe the best offensive force in the league. I get that. You you edited this piece, so you know this piece of data. Yeah. It blew my mind when when Iztok shared that on Luca Porzingis pick and pops. So where where Luca kicks it to Porzingis, Porzingis's effective field goal percentage is twenty percent. Last year it was fifty five. There are outliers, and then there's things that are just straight up off the page. Like right. Luca and Porzingis are not even playing very well together. So it's just, and we've seen games where they can the. Uh, uh, New Orleans uh, Dallas game last year where they each had like 40 comes to mind. There's just real opportunity for, for growth in that direction. It's just my challenge kind of as a cynic has been, well, how many games do we give it? Because I've yet to see it. It's just like, at what point are they who they are? The coaching staff talks a lot about how they're using the regular season in some ways as a, as a test lab. Now, there's a difference between test lab and seeing things that they sh- could be doing a lot more often because it's uh, a lot more often because it's really effective. There's not things that I'm seeing that they just obviously are going to do a bunch in the off, uh, in the postseason that you know, but are so effective in the regular season in, in minimum usages that makes me think you know they're going to be amazing in that sense. But I, I I do think that you know it is a different approach and does potentially set up some more postseason success in certain ways. Which is where I think the the end conclusion here is what Kirk said earlier, right? You let the coaching staff, you give them some rope and say, okay, you think you guys can make this work? You think you can open up some offensive avenues? Fine, you got the rest of this year. And then once you do that, and once you pay Brunson and Dorian, because at that point when you get to the offseason or there, you've got to, that's when ideally if this organization is doing what they should be doing, that's when they start looking, they lock themselves in the room and they say, at what point do we prepare to start pulling the ripcord on some of this next year? Because, you know, I do think that Brunson and Finney Smith will be movable even when you pay them. So at what point are you prepared to say, okay, we tried it, we gave you a year, these big picture problems are still here and they won't get fixed unless we make a big swing. Now we have to be prepared to do that. And if Luca doesn't like that, we've got to talk him off the ledge. Can I make a this this has been my favorite thing. Mark Cuban would not go into the tax to keep a championship team together, but the fact that he was going to have to go into the tax for a team that potentially might have three straight first round exits is objectively funny. It makes me because it's just the constant we're smarter, we know best, yada 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 hoopla today that that is still going on. Uh, it's just it's just funny to me. I I, I think that the the you know, they they kind of put themselves into this position by limiting how they draft and how they do in free agency, which is just to say not very well over the last decade. But you know they have the hard part in place in Luca, and so once you get that, everything else in theory should be a little more straightforward. So it's it's. It's just very odd to be talking about a team because it, it, how much different would the narrative be if they beat the Clippers? It's just that that is yeah. set sort of the, the 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 tone for how we've talked about this team for two years because I really think they could last year in particular they could have beat any other team in the playoffs with how Luca was playing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I I think they I think they do I think Mark Cuban does it's it is objectively funny but I I think I don't think they trade any major piece at the at the deadline I think they resign Brunson and Finney Smith I think you know a a a bad playoff uh, exit in the first round is something that could change that but I I think that I would expect them to win a first round series I, I think the way that you 
framed it between in a in a you know in a micro sense what they're doing is perfectly okay I, I totally agree in a macro sense is is where the frustration come from comes from but i i think i think after this is kind of our third this is you know on on my podcast you know this is this is our podcast this is seven seven minutes and we've kind of talked macro and you know just the broader frustrations of that for three straight weeks so so we will we will uh table that convo for some summer point that we will come back to it because i think i think you know with with kirk's thoughts here we uh we fully delved into that as as much as we need to uh and unless one of you guys have closing thoughts i i think this is a good place to end it because i think on a micro sense like you said kirk and and that was that's the exact right way to say it i i think it makes sense to see what this team can do um and i i again if if you're a team that is expected to win a first round series and at this point i feel they are then that is enough to continue going forwards and i I think my my closing i think my closing bit would be and you and and josh bow my co-editor at mavsmoneyball.com are are often simpatico on this sort of thought i came into he came into this season basically saying can we fast forward to the playoffs i'm tired of talking about this team this team has been remarkably interesting um compared to what I thought. And that's made the season. I, it hasn't always been enjoyable, but it's at least been kind of an, an interesting exercise in both team building style of play, lots of different stuff, because you know, there are points last year where I was, you know, I talk about the team all the time and it was not fun to talk about because you're just talking about the same stuff. And this has at least been like, it's been nice. And I know that's kind of a silly thing, but you know, if you do this for a living or even as a hobby or you consume all this stuff, like differences make looking forward to the next game more fun. Well, and not just that, man. I mean, not even just whether you do it for a living or not. Like, look, one team wins at the end of the year. That's it, all right? Everybody, whether you do this for a living like us, whether you just want to have fun, you're investing eight months of your life into watching this thing. So if you're watching something different and you're seeing some growth and you're seeing entertaining ball, I mean, I know that's not how we're wired to think about this country and certainly not about sports in this country. That's a freaking win, man. You know, like we are seeing something different and interesting, and it is fun to learn about this team are we learning as much as, you know, some other fan bases might? Like, if they didn't have the same seven guys for the last three years? No. But the fact that there are some new things is is enjoyable, and whatever happens, we've got that going for us. Well, I think if you listen to 7-7 Minutes, uh, you are all winners. That's the way I view it. So thank you guys for doing that. We will be back next week. Probably focus in on the, the nitty-gritty of trade stuff, and let's talk about the team. It's It's... Let's get back to on court. What do we like? What do we don't? Uh, Josh Green Hour, baby. Let's do it. Absolutely. It is it is high time for that. Thanks everyone for listening. We will see y'all. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca Big Dick Donjic from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you have? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh my God! Shut it down! Let's go home! It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. Woo!